Welcome to the Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. You're listening to our weekly worship service message. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. Thank you all for leading us so beautifully. And again, thank you for being here today and allowing the Spirit of God to be in this place. I always like to share a little humor, and someone sent me this week some fall humor uh, my family and I recently went to the pumpkin patch, and, and uh, we went through the corn maze. And uh, it was at that time we realized that uh, we were being stalked. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was eerie. It was, it was eerie. Okay, I'll stop with the corny jokes, uh, unless you want me to go on. Shucks, I'll stop right there. That just popped into my mind, you know. Sure enough, sure enough, uh, I don't know too many people that enjoy taking tests. Do you? Are you a person that enjoys taking tests? I think when you take a test, many times you are stressed, you're nervous, you're fearful, at least I am. I'm not uh, too fond of taking tests. I guess these tests are to help um, test our knowledge or to, to grow us, to make us stronger, to prepare us for the difficult life lessons that are up ahead. And so we go through tests. And I pray today that you're not going through a time of testing. You may be but know that that God can use this testing to grow us in our relationship with him. I know in our scripture passage today, uh, we see Paul who's being tested. He wrote the church at Corinth, and he was writing because the church had been infiltrated with some false teachers, and they were accusing Paul of not being an authentic apostle They were challenging his personal integrity. And the main reason they were doing that is because he changed his itinerary. Instead of having two short visits to Corinth, he was making one long visit. And then they also were accusing him of putting some money in his pocket that they had collected for the poverty-stricken Jews in the church at Corinth. And again, they were questioning Paul. They were testing Paul that he was the real deal, that he was an authentic apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul tried to share with the church at Corinth that his, that his life had always been honorable with them and that he was proclaiming the truth of salvation that came through Jesus Christ and faith in Christ. He was telling, him, telling them these things, yet Many again doubted and they questioned and they tested until the end of this letter. In our passage today in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 5 and 6, Paul flips the script after they had been testing him and questioning him and interrogating him. He flips the script and he says, examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. T- 
test yourselves. He said, or do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Of course, unless you have failed the test, but I trust that we have not failed the test. You see, Paul was saying, look, if you would test and see that your faith is genuine, then you're going to stop questioning me whether I'm genuine. And if your faith is real, you're going to know that my apostleship is authentic because you have real faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, maybe you're here and the question is, do I have faith in the Lord Jesus? Test yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. In a few moments, we're going to be taking communion, the Lord's Supper. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, Paul said, each person ought to test themselves or examine themselves before they eat the bread or they drink the cup. So what does he mean by we ought to examine ourselves? We ought to test ourselves. Well, today I think it's important that we first examine our hearts, that we examine our hearts. Today as we look into our hearts, what do we find? Do you find anger? Do you find unforgiveness? Do you find hurt? Do you find pain? Do you find a negative heart or a critical spirit? When you look into your heart, when you examine your heart, what do you find? It's my prayer today that whatever's going on in your heart, you would know this, that God loves you and he forgives you and you can make your heart right with God. 1 John 1, 9 that I quote quite often says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you or purify you from all unrighteousness. Jesus said in the great Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And maybe the reason you've not been seeing God move in your life is because your heart is not pure. Your heart is not right with God. Do you know what one of the identifiers of a Christian heart should be? Love. Love should be the chief identifier as us, for us as Christians. John said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves, he said, has been born of God and knows him. So we know that we are to have love. Jesus said to his disciples in the upper room before going to die on the cross in John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's an identifier to know that we are in Christ, that we're living for him. And we are helped by the Holy Spirit. If you would read on down in 1 John 4, verse 13, it said that we are in him 
and he is in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit reveals things that aren't right in our hearts. The Holy Spirit guides us and directs us. And today, as you examine your heart, as you test yourselves, see if there's anything in your heart that is hindering you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what? There are millions and millions of professing Christians. There are millions of professing Christians all over this country and all over the world, but there are way too many who have a shallow commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. What do I mean they have a shallow commitment? Well, they don't hate sin. Uh, they, they don't uh, love to pray. They don't crave the Word of God. They don't crave coming to worship. Uh, they don't walk humbly with God. They live just like the rest of the world lives. And that's a sad commentary when you can't tell the Christian from the non-Christian because the non-Christian and the Christian are living the same kind of life. May our commitment be greater than that. May our commitment to the Lord be greater than that. When I think about uh, a time of testing, my, my memory goes back to the days when I was a seminary student. I remember there was one semester that I commuted to Louisville from Frankfurt with three other ministry students. We were all four serving in the church in some capacity, whether it was a youth minister or associate pastor. And, and I remember like it was yesterday, some of us had class together, and I remember that we would be testing one another, quizzing each other before getting to Louisville where we'd take the test. I can still see those little flashcards with Hebrew vocabulary words on them. How would you like to be studying those going to an 8 o'clock class in Louisville and driving at the same time? I still remember, like yesterday, seeing those set. But for whatever reason, one particular day, our discussion turned toward one of the friends asking another friend in the car, if you were to die tonight, would you know that you were going to go to heaven? If you were to die tonight. Now again, these are four ministers in the car, one minister asking another minister, and the one minister answered, well, I think so. I, I hope so. I mean, I mean, I feel like I will. I remember as plain as yesterday, my other friend looking at him and saying, if you're not sure where you're going, then how in the world are you going to minister effectively to those people in your church? And after that, there were some intense moments of fellowship in that car. <laughs> and I was just there praying. <laughs> like, I can't wait for us to get to school. <laughs> and, but that was a valid question. What if that question was posed to you? If you were to die tonight, 
Are you sure of your faith in Christ that you would go to heaven? Or do you say, I, I mean, I hope, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not your judge, but Jesus Christ is. And we're all going to have to give an account one day, and I pray that today as we examine our hearts, that we would know that Christ is the Lord who sits on the throne of our lives. But we also are to examine our minds. Uh, Paul said in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, Therefore, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Verse 3, since we have died with Christ, we have been hidden with Christ in God. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ Jesus now lives in me. In other words, when he says we have been hidden with Christ, that people see Jesus in us, we have been raised, the old person has been buried, we are dead, and we are made alive in Christ that we're a new person in Christ. We are to set our minds on what's holy and pleasing. Just recently, I shared a passage that I've challenged you to memorize. When the devil tries to play mind games on you and he puts things in your mind that aren't true, remember what Paul said in Philippians 4, 8. And finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Chuck Swindoll said in his book, So You Want to Be Like Christ, shared that we today must learn to unclutter our minds so that we can have intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. What's in your mind today? Worry, fear, anxiety, lust, impure thoughts, impure motives. Paul said to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3, he said, uh, dear friends, I'm afraid that just as uh, Eve was deceived by that ancient serpent, you too, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Look, the devil is going to use anything to deceive us and to bring us down and to clutter our minds. Chuck Swindoll went on to say that Lewis Schaefer, the founder of the Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, once said that much of the activity today is but a mere cheap anesthetic uh, to deaden uh, the pain of an empty life. Much of our activity today is just a cheap anesthetic to numb the pain of an empty life. That's a sad commentary. And I pray today that we would get our minds right. That we would allow Christ not only to sit on the throne of our hearts, but he would be the one to guide our thoughts 
in our minds, that our thoughts would be pure and holy, that they would be glorifying to God. You know what, I, I, I think about what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He's, he said, not, and this is, now listen to this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only those, only the ones who do the will of my Father. And if you would read on, it said, but Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Or, or Lord, did we not drive out demons? And, and Lord, did we not perform miracles? And he said, I will say to them, away from me. I never knew you, you evildoers. So what that sounds like to me, that there's a lot of people, to use some uh, youthfulness terminology, spitting game, but they don't have any game. There's a lot of people that think they're living the right kind of life, but they're really not. They're living away from the Lord in a proper relationship. And I pray today that we would allow the Lord through the Holy Spirit and through our own ability to examine our hearts, examine our minds, and then lastly, that we would examine our actions and our walk to examine our actions, and to examine our walk. And I pray today that we're living the right kind of life. Uh, Paul said, in, or excuse me, John said in 1 John 1, 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, then we lie and the truth is not in us. If we claim to be a Christian, if we claim to be a follower of Christ, yet we continue to walk in darkness in the way that the world is, then we make ourselves out to be liars, and the truth is not in us. There must be a real change. And if you would go back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, before Jesus said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, we enter to the kingdom of heaven. But he said in verse 20, thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And what was he referring to? He said, well, a bad tree bears bad fruit, a good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree can't bear good fruit, and a good tree can't bear bad fruit. Did you follow that? And we are to bear fruit. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If if anyone or a person remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So we must remain in the vine and know that we are to bear fruit. And, and what did James say? Uh, faith without deeds is dead. Not only are we to have faith, but we are to be proactive and, and being instruments of, of witness, fulfilling the great commission to go and make disciples and teach people to obey everything we've, that he's commanded us and to know he'll be with us. So we're examining what's in our heart and in our minds. Uh, we're examining our actions and we are to be prepared. None of us know when Jesus is going to return. That's why we ought to be prepared. 
steadied up. We're ready, whatever it might be. I want to close by sharing it. It's funny to me. It wasn't funny to my son. Last week, Isaiah let my wife Kelly and me know that the school principal, who's his first year at the high school this year, came to the classroom and said, I need to see Isaiah Lester. Well, my son got a little bit nervous that he would come to his classroom, call him out of the class, out into the hall, and, and I'm going to try to, to clean this up and not say it in a way that would not be appropriate. But basically, he comes to get Isaiah. Isaiah walks in the hall and said, Isaiah, are you ready to go to the restroom? And Isaiah's like, uh, uh. He said, this is a surprise drug test. All the athletes that play any sport can at any time have a random drug test. Well, my son does not do drugs. Uh, at least he better never think about doing drugs. My son does not do drugs, and but he was nervous. They go to a room, and there's a doctor and the principal and then another athlete, and he had to go back into a restroom, bring back a, a sample, and, and even though he knew he didn't, he was a nervous wreck that he was being randomly drug tested. Last week, another athlete got pulled out to be randomly drug tested, and he wouldn't take the test. That makes you feel like probably there's some guilt there, and so he's off the team. Left the school because he would not take the drug test. And so my wife, bringing such comfort to my son, starts messing with him and saying, last week, Isaiah, we ate some chicken casserole that had some poppy seed in it, and it could come out in your system. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I'm not going to be able to play ball because of chicken casserole anyway. And so I said to my son, did you pass the test? Well, I mean, I don't know, Dad. They, don't, they didn't tell me. But he's still at school, and he's still playing ball, so I guess he passed the test. What if we were randomly selected out of our classroom, out of our office, out of our place of employment, and they tested us to see if Jesus was in our system. How many of us would pass the test to see if Jesus is in us and in our system? I pray today that we would examine ourselves that we would know without a doubt that Jesus is in me. He loves me for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life.
that God loves you so much and he forgives you and me and all he wants us to do is to turn, repent from things that we know are not God-honoring or pleasing and we would begin to walk a life in newness with Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And that we would begin to live the kind of life that Christ would have us to live. Aren't you ready to take the test today? Are you ready to pass the test as we pray? Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are any men or women or young people here, that as they examine their heart and their mind and their life, that if there's anything, God, that's not glorifying or pleasing to you, that you would remove it that nothing would hinder our walk or our relationship with you. Lord, if there are those that have never prayed to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, may today be the day of salvation for many. Lord, I pray for Christians maybe that have just gotten busy and gotten out of the swing of, of following you and serving you, that they would come back home to you today. And Lord, I pray that if there are those that have been looking for a church home, God, we'd sure love to have some new family members that, that are just like us, fellow strugglers, trying to, to bring glory to you and to tell others about the hope we have in Christ. Oh God, just take us right now and lead us in the direction and the decision you would have us to make. We'll give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 11 a.m. For more information about our church and our ministries, go to forksbaptist.org.